0: Welcome to the Powerful Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Gluckman. I'm a life and business coach who loves helping my clients find ease and confidence around making decisions. Every episode, you'll learn the thought work tools I teach my clients for clear and easy decision making. I'll also share real life examples from my life and from my clients where powerful decisions created more of what we want in our lives. Time to stop sitting in indecision or second-guessing our decisions. Let's get to making powerful decisions. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a special episode for you today. It's a conversation with Cynthia Kufal, and she also has her own podcast. So we were kind of having a conversation that we could both use on both of our podcasts. Cynthia is a longtime high school guidance counselor, turned life coach for teens and young adults going into college. And she is a wealth of information. I really we we had so many questions and so many good things to talk about that we talked for over an hour, but I clipped this episode down a bunch so that it's very digestible for you. She gave us a very generous freebie to any of the listeners of my podcast, which is two free coaching sessions for the teen or young adult in your life. It is an amazing offer, and I hope that you'll take her up on it. You can find the link to check out those coaching sessions in the show notes. All right, y'all, here's Cynthia Kufel. Let's start with an example. That sounds fun. Okay. What's an example of something that a college student might bring to you for coaching and help on.
1: I think the biggest thing that I, I guess this is the biggest decision that scares me with them is that a lot of them that I've been talking to recently are already thinking about dropping out of school right now because it's been so overwhelming and they're just like, I don't I don't know that I should be here and I think they're going back and forth between should I go through this when it's so difficult right now or should I just run away and go home because it seems like the safe place to be. Does yeah. that is that a good decision to start with?
0: It's kind of a very that's difficult a, one, but Right, that's an intense decision. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. But that's a fine decision to start with. Okay. I think when we're in a place like that where we're probably pretty upset about how things are going. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Often we can look back at past decisions we've made and regret them.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Say I shouldn't have come to this school. I shouldn't have chosen this class. I shouldn't have picked this major. Mm -hmm. I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And what I find is when we regret past decisions, it makes future decisions really hard. Mm. And so often we'll find ourselves sitting in indecision and not making a decision about what to do in part, because we're afraid we're going to regret future decisions.
1: Mm. Yeah. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust
0: ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The there's two steps essentially that I recommend when we find ourselves regretting past decisions. The first is to think back on who we were when we made that decision
2: mm-hmm.
0: and send that past version of ourselves like a big hug <laughs> and a lot of love right and mm-hmm. recognize that when we made that decision say it was to come to this school or to to register for this class when we made that decision we were operating with the information that we had at the time mm-hmm. We were um, dealing with whatever was going on in our life at that time. And so that includes like our health, right? What was going on in our family and our friends, kind of everything that we were swimming in Mm -hmm. at that given time. We were dealing with the information and the resources that we had access to at that time. Mm -hmm. Now, further down the road, right? We know a whole lot more but we didn't know that then. Mm -hmm. And so I like to just like send some love to that past version of us that really thought they were making the best decision that they possibly could in that moment. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Given, Given what they knew, given what was going on in their life. And then what I like to do is instead of beating ourselves up for that past decision... We actually have a choice that we can put on a scientist's hat mm. and evaluate the decision. Right? So let's say we signed up for a class. <laughs> I'll give my life example. Mm-hmm. Let's say we signed up for calculus two. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And we fail it, which mm-hmm. was me, my sophomore year in college. <laughs> we can We could beat ourselves up that we weren't smart enough to do it, that we shouldn't have ever signed up for it, that this means that we're not going to be good at other classes, Mm -hmm. right? Or we can choose to just put on this scientist hat and evaluate it. And Mm -hmm. the way I, I have a very simple evaluation I use when I'm looking at past decisions, right? I ask myself what worked, what didn't work. And what do I want to do differently? Mm
1: -hmm. So the
0: three questions I ask myself. So if I'm going to my example of calculus class, Mm -hmm. what worked was, you know, I was supposed to sign up for it. And so Mm -hmm. I did, Mm -hmm. you know, I passed one out of the three exams. I attended the classes or I took the notes or whatever I, I can list for myself that worked. I understood 20% of the content, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I'm just like focus on what actually worked. And then I go to what didn't work. All right. I never went for tutoring. Mm -hmm. I never reached out to the professor to say I was struggling. I gave up doing the homework because it felt overwhelming. And I knew I didn't have any idea where to start with it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of quit on myself partway through the semester. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what didn't work. And I ended up failing the class. And then I go to, what do I want to do differently? Well, what I want to do differently next time is as soon as I feel like I'm struggling, I'm going to reach out for help. I'm going to go talk to the professor before the class even starts about given my past history, what can I do differently this time? Mm -hmm. I'm going to let them like get to know me I want them to know who I am and to be looking out for me. Right? Mm-hmm. And you probably have a whole lot of other strategies for helping, helping folks there too.
1: Yeah. And I have um, talked to students about those kinds of things before I, so many things are coming to my mind that I don't think have anything to do with decision-making because students will say, well, I'm too nervous or anxious to talk mm. to the professor or, I'm too nervous or anxious to tell my parents that I'm struggling or I can't even get out of bed to go to any of the things. Or Mm -hmm. I was thinking too, there are some students, a lot of students that are getting financial aid or scholarships or things where they have to have a certain number of classes in order to get that scholarship Mm -hmm. or that that grant or the money that they're, they're needing to pay for school. And so dropping a class sometimes doesn't seem possible because Mm -hmm. it would put them below the number that they need. Yeah. But again, I still think if they go talk to somebody about it, then that, I mean, at least they can get a hard answer of yes or no. Is there any wiggle room here? Is there any way that we can work with you? Or is there any way that we can help? But I think, I think the barrier for like talking to someone is huge for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the age. They haven't spent a lot of time physically talking face to face with people. I mean, it's like, especially strangers, like Uh if they know a strain, if if they want to talk to a stranger, they don't mind texting them or sending some kind of a message to them, but to Uh just go and talk to them seems really hard and I think it might for some even be a skill deficit where they don't even know how to talk to someone and for parents and for you know even my own people my age like I can't understand not that that's a skill deficit like how could you not know how to talk to somebody Uh but it it really is something that we used to have to do Uh There weren't, and so we had to learn it because that's what you couldn't be an adult if you didn't know how to talk to other people and now they can be adults and not have ever really had too much of a conversation with a stranger, Um, Uh which a professor or going to some department at the school to ask for help is a stranger Uh and they don't know who these people are and they don't know what to expect when that happens. So they don't know how to do it. So there is actually a decision that they're making. The
0: decision that they're making is that they're choosing, and this is unconscious, right? This isn't necessarily a conscious decision, but they're choosing to sit with the discomfort Mm -hmm. that they're experiencing right now, their self-talk or what they're telling themselves about, say, failing a class. They're choosing to just sit in that instead of choosing the discomfort Mm. of talking to the stranger, yeah, right? Or reaching out or the idea that somebody else might be disappointed in them.
1: Yeah, that's really huge, I think.
0: So noticing for ourselves, just that when we are choosing not to take an action, we are choosing something else. We are choosing that we are preferring this discomfort over that discomfort.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it all feels terrible. My clients that, you know, they're, they both feel bad. So let's choose the feel bad. That's probably going to have an answer or help us make an answer instead of the feel bad that has a negative in outcome. Like there's not there, at least there's no resolution sometimes to that feeling bad and then not doing anything about it right and i feel like i see that a lot because there it feels there's a relief for a second when you think oh i'm i don't i'm not gonna go talk to that person there's the relief of oh thank goodness i'm not gonna go have to do that but then it doesn't really relieve you even after five minutes i don't Uh think because then you're still feeling bad that you don't have an answer to the dilemma, um, of what you're going to do. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And then things start kind of piling up on yes. that. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Because so, I think when you feel bad, then that's when I have kids telling me, well, I didn't leave my room for two weeks or I didn't, you know, and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you even survive after not coming out of your room for two weeks? Because all of the work is Mm -hmm. now behind, even in a class that you probably liked or that Mm -hmm. you were doing well in. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think we can go backwards a little bit and just get to where that point was, where they essentially decided to give up, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. at least temporarily to give up. And that action is coming from the story that they're telling themselves Mm -hmm. about what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know you talk about this a lot mm-hmm. on your podcast, right? How how we talk to ourselves, the story that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. about the facts of our life. So failing a class and what we make it mean about us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We can and I remember, I mean, just going back to my example when I was a sophomore and I failed that calculus class, my initial reaction was. I'm horrible. Like I suck. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna make it through school. I'm not smart, mm-hmm. right? Like I messed up in choosing this degree. Mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate that my mother was <laughs> was there and actually helped me reframe it in such oh, a different good. way, um not necessarily a positive way, but oh. she <laughs> she helped me reframe it because. She, her reaction to it was she was so angry. She mm. was angry that the school and the professor had not seen that I was struggling. And and so she just voiced that to me. But in that moment, what I got to see though, was that, oh, we have the same facts. We both see that I have failed this class. I am making it mean I'm a horrible person and I should feel a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. She's making it mean, the professor wasn't very good. And he let me flop. What else could we make it mean? Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if we can both look at the same fact and have two very different ideas, Mm -hmm. what other kinds of stories could we make it mean? And I mean, this is uh, how, what is this 22 years ago? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but now the story that I tell about it, is, oh my gosh, of course that makes sense. And I know Mm -hmm. I've heard on different episodes of your podcast, you've talked about this, where the transition from high school to college Mm -hmm. can be so dramatic for folks, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. students who felt like they were at the top of their class in Mm -hmm. high school, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who it was easy, high school was easier for them. And then they come in and it's this like reality check of like, oh, this is a whole different beast. -hmm. Right. And so the story that I now tell about that calculus class was I didn't know how to ask for help Mm -hmm. when I got really stuck. And I had to go through that experience so that I would be able to learn so much more for Mm -hmm. the next three years. Right. Like and beyond, Mm -hmm. I needed that experience to to get me to create better study habits, to get me to be willing to ask questions, to get me to, Mm -hmm. you know, study harder, honestly, right? Yeah. And and so now there's no shame associated with it for me anymore that I failed, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that was just gonna happen at some point. That Mm -hmm. really was. I couldn't skate through as I had been skating through. I was gonna have to learn some new skills.
1: Yeah, I have told parents so often when I was a high school counselor, when kids were failing or having trouble with things, I was like, thank goodness it's happening right now, because right now all of us are still right here rallying around. They live in your home. You have all this, well, they don't have control, but they have all this like teaching that they can do right in the moment that it's going on. Because if they don't ever fail or don't ever have any troubles with school and they go to college, that is, there are going to be troubles. There's no way you can go to college and not have something, some kind of barrier or roadblock all of a sudden be in your face. And if they have never navigated one before, they're Uh not going to know how to do it. And. Um, Now they may come out okay because they have some pretty good skills that they learn from other experiences, but I really worry for those kids that don't have any of these bumps in the road in high school because that's what you, whenever you have it, you're going to learn, but what better place to learn it when you're still in high school where the teachers are all very invested and they're all in the same building and they're all right there trying to help you. Your parents are at home talking to you about things. And it just is so different than when you feel alone in college. You feel Mm -hmm. like, even though you're not really, it feels like you're alone. It feels like nobody cares. It feels like the professors don't want to help you. And sometimes maybe they do act like they don't want to help. I mean, that's a possibility, but you got to find that out. I think a lot of times we just assume they won't care when really they will be so kind because they're just people too, who they wouldn't be, well, they probably wouldn't be a college professor if they didn't care about kids. I did have some mean ones or ones that seemed (laughs) kind of mean, but for the most part, I think they're there for the right reasons. They're there because they want to educate people. And I think they would really listen if you said, I just don't know what's going on here.
0: Uh Uh
1: And I think we just have to kind of get over that what would be different or is there any difference if someone is struggling with telling their parents something, you know, something that's upsetting or, or maybe telling them they're failing and they don't know what to do. Or Mm -hmm. I think kids really struggle with that decision. Should I just suffer through this and figure it out? Or should I tell my parents? And then there's always the, what if my parents are mad or what if, My parents make me stay home or I don't know the things that they worry about that Uh they don't want to talk to their parents about something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's one situation where sometimes I like to just talk through the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I know you talk about this too, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's, let's go there. Like your brain right now is so scared that something could happen. Mm -hmm. What is it really scared of? Like, let's make Mm -hmm. it get really specific. And then decide if that really is worth being scared of, right? So if, you know, you failed a class and you're, you want to tell your parents, right, but you don't know and you're scared, what are you scared of? Well, I'm, maybe I'm scared that, you know, they're going to yell at me or they're going to take away my car or what, what is it that you're scared of? And what would you do? Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if they yell at me, can can I blow it off? Can mm-hmm. I, can I just know that like everything's still gonna be okay? I still have my back. I'm still gonna be able to survive it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if they take away my car, can I figure out how to, you know, live with a semester without having my car? Or you you probably have more examples of what kids are
1: worried about.
0: Yeah. And I was
1: thinking too, sometimes it can seem really serious. Like, well, like when you're saying yell at them, sometimes kids have things they want to tell their parents that they really don't know that their parents are going to beat them up or anything, but you know, like they're really worried about what is the outcome of this talk. Yeah, And I, I go there with them too, you know, like what happens if they do react very negatively? And then we talk about why do you think your parent might like when, Mm. if they, if they do act negatively, just like failing a class, you know, a parent might blow up about that or be really upset about it. Why would your parent be upset about that? You know, and then they, they usually come to, they're afraid for me. I mean, Mm. they don't, they don't start there, but you know, we kind of get to the point that, you know, your parent isn't yelling at you because they're truly angry. It's more like, oh gosh, what if they don't finish college? Or what if they don't, what if school isn't for them? Or what if they don't achieve the things I think they should achieve? Or, you know, the the kind of dream that a parent has about what their kid's going to end up being. Sometimes Some of the things that students have to tell their parents means that the dream that they had for their child is no longer going to to happen for whatever reason. And so I talk to them like, it's kind of like a death for your parent. If they had an idea of who you're going to be, and then you're saying that's not what's going to happen It's going to take some time for them to get used to that idea. And maybe they'll be mad at first, but give them time Mm. because after they have a chance to think about it and really get their head wrapped around, what does all this mean? I'm almost sure they're going to come back to you with something softer and Mm. maybe, maybe even options that you would be interested in, or you would want to take them up on.
0: That's beautiful. And what it reminds me of too, is just all of us remembering that when we've been thinking about a decision or thinking about telling somebody something and we've been stewing on it Mm -hmm. for days or weeks or longer, right? Mm -hmm. And then we tell it to this person who hasn't thought about it at all, right? Mm -hmm. Like it hasn't been on their radar at all. And they have some sort of strong reaction, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: just reminding ourselves they haven't been thinking about it they haven't had all this time to digest it. Like I have been thinking about it.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so that's so good. They might have this initial strong reaction, but then I like what you say. Like, I think they'll come back to you, give them time to like digest it. They'll come back to you Mm -hmm. with other options.
1: Yeah. And that's hard. Um, And sometimes it doesn't work out the way we want it to. when we tell people things like sometimes Mm -hmm. parents have been, you know, like, I no longer want to talk to you for X yep. number of times or maybe ever. Mm-hmm. That's so extreme though. And I think sometimes kids hear the story that somebody's parents never talk to them again. Mm-hmm. And then they're thinking, oh, that's going to happen to me too. And it, it truly is extreme. Very rarely mm-hmm. does that happen. And I think, so when we talk about worst case scenario and they might say, well, my parent will never speak to me again. You know what is the likelihood of that really happening? Uh-huh. You know, like, of course, I mean, that would be the worst case scenario for me. But, you know, I wouldn't want my mom to not talk to me ever again, even though we don't agree on. a lot of things still. Uh-huh. no matter what things she and I have not agreed on, she loves me.
2: Uh-huh. and
1: i I believe that most parents are doing the best that they can do and loving their kids in the way that they feel is correct. Yeah. And sometimes it just doesn't fit with what our idea uh-huh. or what the student's idea of what they would like for it to be. I'm curious from your
0: experience working with parents, what advice you might have for them when their child brings that big thing, that big, hard
1: thing to talk about. What I think is the most important is to listen and to not say anything at first. I mean, wow. I know sometimes immediately we have a thousand questions, you know, I've recently had to have some difficult conversations with my own kids and like not being defensive when they say, well, this parenting thing caused this, you know, like this is what they're this is their story telling me, you know, this thing that you said or did caused this to happen. And I want to say, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't mean that I didn't. Want to do that. And it is true, I did not want that to happen. But being defensive then just makes them more defensive. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not solving the problem. Now, later, I mean, after I've listened without saying anything, I think it makes sense to, you know, can I ask you a question? Can I get more clarity? Tell me more about what was working or not working and just like get all the details. And then keep that with yourself for a while and let, give yourself, like we were talking earlier, we need that time to digest it. Cause sometimes Uh when it's new, it's like, so shocking. It's like, well, wait a minute. I don't, I I need to ask. And sometimes it's stuff that you don't really need to know. It's just your brain going crazy with all this stuff. And so then stepping back and taking the time, however long a time it takes to think about it and to digest it and think like really be intentional about what questions do I really need to know? Uh-huh. And what do I really, you know, what do I really want out of this conversation? Not how I'm going to defend myself or I'm going to uh-huh. say, oh, that's your fault, not my fault, all that, because that's not going to fix anything. And uh-huh. um I heard a podcast once where a girl, you know, had to tell her parents that she was gay and she said the first question they asked her was how do you have sex with another girl <laughs> oh <laughs> and like gosh. that that's that's not a question, question you really want to ask that came from probably nervousness she never forgot that they asked that question yeah and if they were just like taking it in and not that they have to agree with it or like it or any mm-hmm. of that stuff just listening And you can just say, I, I'm going to need to have time to think about this information. And I think it would be really important to say, I still love you like crazy, but I need to really, I just have to, you know, form what, how Mm -hmm. I want to go forward and things Mm -hmm. that I'd like to know. And I have a lot of questions, but I want to wait until I have some time to, to really get clear with what I what I really need to know and, and how I can go forward. Mm -hmm. And I have, I say to my kids a lot when they're struggling with things, tell me what you would like me to do. Tell Uh me how you would like me to respond to this. And it doesn't mean that I will do it necessarily. I just need to know where are they coming from? What do they need from me right now? Do they need me to just hold them? Do they need me to just listen? do they need advice? And I do not, my children are adults. So I don't, don't ever give advice. Why not that I haven't accidentally done that because I'm (laughs) a parent, but, um, I try to really think about, I know they don't want me to tell them what to do. And so I, if they say, yes, I need you to tell me what to do, or I need you to tell me what you think about the situation then that's my free reign to say this, this is my platform, or this is my, this is how I feel about it. If they don't ask that, then they don't want you to tell them how to deal with it. And that Mm -hmm. happens in relationships too, with our spouses or romantic partners. Many times we just want to tell them something and we want Mm -hmm. them to just listen to us. Mm -hmm. Well, our kids want that too. And even our kids who are not adults want that. And again, that doesn't mean that you don't then give your parenting advice to them because you're still raising them and teaching them but it's so important to meet them where they are listen to whatever it is even if it's the most difficult thing you've ever heard and be calm about it and and if you need time say I need time and we'll talk about this later Uh you'll be so much happier too with your parenting because how many times did we go to bed at night thinking I totally screwed that up Right. And I wish i never said that. <laughs> Let me or raise I wish... my hand. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm sure every single parent who listens has felt bad about something they've said or done. And all of that comes from knee jerk reactions to things. And then and also how we were parented, you know, we're typically going back into those cycles if if our parents overreacted to things. I mean, it doesn't mean we have to overreact with them, but uh-huh it'll be our first response to want to do that and to go back and just say, I need time. And then yeah, I'm going to okay. get back with you on this. And then I think we'll have the most loving response so we can have.
0: I'm really just thinking into how you said, tell them you love them. Mm-hmm. And I need some time to think about this. Like for me, that's like the most perfect combination because I can see how if I were just to say to my daughter, I need time to think about this. Mm -hmm. She might start spinning on like, mom's going to be really mad and all Mm -hmm. of that. And me just like emphasizing, I love you tons. Nothing has changed how much I love you right now. Mm -hmm. And I just need time to think about it. She's Mm -hmm. like, all right, go ahead, ma. You know, like whatever, (laughs) you know, like, okay.
1: So I just really appreciate that Mm -hmm. two-parter I always feel like if everything if we do everything with just true pure love as a parent there's not a whole lot that can go wrong. I mean even if we are making mistakes if if we're coming towards our kids with just unconditional love it's going to turn out okay at mm-hmm. some point even if a mistake has been made. Mm-hmm. And, and that we repair those mistakes. I think it's really important that we, when we do make mistakes and we're going to, cause that's part of life. This is part of the learning, like going mm-hmm. to our kids and saying, I really screwed that up and I am so sorry. And here's how I'd like to go forward. And that's teaching them how to do that in all mm-hmm. of their relationships. And it's repairing your own relationship with them. Yeah. I think that's like so important in the parenting Mm -hmm. role so
0: glad that you are listening to and enjoying the podcast but this is just an appetizer there is a full six course meal waiting for you and the way to tap into it is to sign up for a free coaching consult with me We'll spend an hour together talking about where you want to be in six months from now. We'll talk about your goals. We'll talk about the obstacles you see in your way. We'll talk about how you make decisions right now and how a new version of you in six months is going to be making decisions. And you'll get to experience what it's like to get coached by me in person. So when you are ready, I want you to take some action and sign up. For a free coaching consult. The link is in my show notes and also on my website, meggluckman.com.